I'm Andrea. This is Market With Me Quickly, a podcast to inform, educate, and assist B2C marketers in doing their jobs just a little bit better. We've been thinking a lot about how marketers re-engage customers and accelerate sales as states and businesses start opening back up. We actually have a webinar coming up with Vibes on how to do just that with email and SMS marketing. If you're listening to this before Thursday, May 28th at 10.30 a.m., the link to sign up for that webinar is in the description of this episode. But on this same topic and how marketers can navigate the uncertain and unstable climate ahead, I got the insight from a noted industry expert in all disciplines of branding, Alan Adamson. He's worked with businesses and industries ranging from packaged goods and technologies to healthcare and financial services to hospitality and entertainment. His most recent book, Shift Ahead, details how organizations can stay relevant and recognize when it's time to change. Alan is co-founder and managing partner of Metaforce, a disruptive marketing and product consultancy firm. In addition to that, he's an NYU Stern adjunct professor of marketing. He's appeared on shows like ABC News Nightline and NBC's Today. Alan is a graduate of SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University and received an MBA from New York University's Stern School of Business. Here's our conversation. First, I'd love to hear about your book about staying relevant. It's something everyone is struggling to do right now. It's called Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. So how do we do this? Well, the first point is uh, it's easier said than done. Everyone knows you need to keep up with changes to stay relevant. But what we found in doing the research for the book and speaking to lots and lots of companies, big and small, and um, all around the country and all around the world is that while the theory is easy, getting people to actually make change is incredibly hard. It's, it's sort of like saying, oh, I know to be healthy, I've got to exercise every day and eat fewer donuts. <laughs> people know that, but yet they're you know sitting on their couch and eating donuts. So that, that's sort of the overarching, overarching story is that while staying relevant is, oh, uh, we're, we're changing all the time. When you talk to business leaders, we're constantly changing. And the reality, they're often not. And we can talk a lot about what prevents them from changing. And how have you been seeing companies do this during a global pandemic? Well, the one thing about disruption um, and uh, adversity. Adversity is the mother of invention. So lots of companies don't make change because it sort of works all right. We'll do a little bit of change. But when there's a massive uh, disruption like the pandemic, uh, all of a sudden you need to, you know, you can't go back to, well, we worked yesterday because yesterday is irrelevant. So um, uh, it forces everyone to change. It forces people to say, oh my goodness, we can't just well, we can't have people in the restaurant. We can't have people come into the store. Uh, so disruption typically is a massive accelerator of change. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. And I'd love to hear more about um, that acceleration during this time. Well, there are a couple of, you know, there are lots of the changes that we're, uh, that we're seeing now are getting accelerated. We already have people already shopping more online um, across categories. This, you know, turbocharges it this phenomenally while you were maybe shopping for certain things online and maybe going to one or two outlets now people are shopping for lots more and trying lots of other different stores because uh, to some extent you know, 
while Amazon has a lot of things, you know, now Walmart sales exploded, uh, Target sale, online sales exploded, even local stores have finally figured out how to, gee, we, uh, we, need, to, we need to be digitally active. So uh, probably the most obvious one and the biggest impact is the flip to increase digital, which was going on for the last five years, which probably tripled in the last five weeks. And I don't think, you know, it's not going to snap back to normal. People are not going to, when, when the all clear sign comes out, which is already in many parts of the country, or people start to, 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 to go back to a less, quote unquote, disrupted uh, form, we don't think they'll just jump back and say, all right, that was interesting. I shopped a lot of things online. I think a lot of people will find out just how easy it was <laughs> and how much more responsive uh, all the manufacturers are, how fast things come and how easy it is just to put it back in a box and ship it back um, uh, when it's uh, not the right item. And how do you think that looks like going forward? So changes from being in quarantine to states opening back up and then navigating that, like what does the future look like? Well, I think unfortunately, um, you know, for the digital flip, um, I, I think you know, the larger retailers that were pretty well set up, like the Targets and Walmarts and and Home Depots and Lowe's and Best Buys, probably did uh, di did do better digitally. And the smaller mom and pop stores got hurt. So I think, unfortunately, for lots of retailers, um, the big boys sucked up more market share, and getting it back is going to be challenging. It's not, you know, once once you have an account set up at walmart.com or uh, costco.com or whatever it is, um, it's just easier to add to the cart than to sort of split up your purchases once you click in. So I think for lots of small retailers, uh, it's going to be a, a, a big battle to get them out of the big, uh, big, big box stores. And how do you think B2C marketers can be re-engaging with their customers as this shift kind of happens? Yeah, besides the the, uh, the the digital transformation, now you know you need to look into what sort of services can we offer that people you know got used to, whether it's curbside pickup or call you know ordering online and picking up in store, um, or just. Uh, using digital to, uh, you know, there's an interesting story out of Harrods in London where their high-end personal shoppers and their store people, store people went to their best customers and said, look, you know, I'm on FaceTime. Let's go to the store. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to show you things. And so it was a concierge personal shopper. And I think that, you know, I, I experienced that at my local hardware store. If, you know, they were still open during the pandemic. If I needed certain things, I called up and they sent me two pictures of two screwdrivers and the right one was left in a bag in front of the store and I drove by or they dropped it off. So I think while that was a special service type of offer from a few uh, retailers, I think consumers are going to get used to that and are going to expect it even when uh, the, the sun comes out. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And how do you think like third-party aggregators who are maybe giving people this service, you know, how do they fit into the picture? And do you think it's better to use a third-party aggregator or would it be, you know, better for a company to have a direct relationship with their customers? I think it's generally better. You have to play both sides because the aggregators have scale, uh, yet you can't 
create a branded experience if you're using an aggregator or a differentiated experience. I mean, in the food category, it's probably the biggest one. Lots of restaurants, of course, went to uh, the delivery platforms of the Grubhub and Uber Eats. And uh, even some high-end restaurants, to my surprise, went to um, some of those. And I think you know, the benefit is they had, they had the customers and they have the platform set up and lots of the small restaurants couldn't build a platform that fast. But I think going forward to ensure that um, you maintain it, that, you know, you, you don't want to lose touch with the uh, touch and feel with and direct communications with your, with your customer. While I can get Apple products at Best Buy and a hundred other places and target, um, there's still something different about the experience you get when you get Apple direct uh, digitally, or of course, when you go into an Apple store. So I think that same principle will apply here and lots of small retailers, because the technology is much more accessible, you know, need to need to figure out how they can have a direct digital and a direct um, uh, delivery experience uh, for their customers that will make them more special. Yeah, kind of more on that branded experience. Um, how can brands really use that to break through the noise kind of right now and maybe help, you know, accelerate their sales in some way with branded experience? Well, I think the first line of attack, you know, first of, first of all, it's not one size fits all. People have, you know, there's different level of the pandemic in different geographies. And also, and even in the same geography, you can have 10 people that have a different view of how they want to shop and how comfortable they are. And, but I think the first line of attack needs to be uh, realizing that some customers are going to be nervous even after the sun comes out a bit more. Um, and I think the notion of moving their business out of the stores, uh, we're seeing it in some restaurants locally here, uh, where all of a sudden the half the street is closed and the outdoor tables are there. And I think you know, the, the sidewalk sale <laughs> is not going to be a, you know, a summer thing. And I think lots of retailers and big ones need to figure out how can they put some of their merchandise outside on the street <laughs> uh, to get their most nervous customers uh, shopping again. Um, and, and even things like simple things like the fitting room. I mean, perhaps often the fitting room is in the back of the store. <laughs> and if you've got a nervous customer, you know, they may be okay in the open end, but as you wind through the halls and get into a tiny box in the fitting room, uh, may not be the place they want to go next. So, you know, opening up, just take it home, try it on and you know, bring it back the next day or we'll pick it up. You know, looking for ways to quote unquote, really make the experience um, Take out the friction, as I say, you know, make it as frictionless as possible, even though it's easier for somebody to bring it back. That's another trip, another car. Um, that's the time to say, look, leave it on your <laughs> leave it on your front door and we'll be by to pick it up tomorrow. So uh, lots of innovation has been happening lately from experiences more than products. And I think that will continue to drive forward. How do B2C marketers kind of navigate the experience of online shopping? or versus getting someone to download an app versus maybe putting their stuff on the sidewalk um, and how much should they be diversifying? Less is more. So, you know, most people have too many apps on their phone already. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not a big proponent of building your own storefront on the phone unless you're a mission critical type of, uh, I need an Uber or a Lyft now and you need the button. but. I think for most retailers uh, realizing that they don't need an app, um, but they do need to make it incredibly easy to do. Um, 
and uh, fortunately technology can help them and and i i think certain consumers are looking to you know, certainly on the restaurant side go back to the restaurants they, they enjoy um and so there may be a a um a meeting of the takeout world and the uh, and the eat-in world. You know, perhaps you know part of the data suggests that if you're inside for two hours, it might be riskier than if you're inside for an hour. And so maybe you know restaurants will offer order online. You know, so we know what you want. When you come in, you know your appetizers will be right there, <laughs> and it's, we're not going to rush you. But you know, if you order online, you'll be in and out, or you'll get a table, and here are the tables you can pick. Instead of making a reservation for a table of four, maybe you know you can say, "Well, I want to be closer to the sidewalk or further from the kitchen." And so, even thinking about how they take reservations, because I think consumers are going to be more. Uh, considerate. They're not going to take any table. They're not going to take the table that is maybe in the back of the restaurant, you know, maybe by the window. So giving them the option to pick their tables, uh, which is a little bit more difficult because lots even the aggregators like open table, you know, let you make a reservation, but they don't tell you where it is. <laughs> uh, but I think that that's what innovation is about. I think pushing out and saying, even if um, customers are not asking for it, I bet uh, if restaurants offered the chance to pick your table and see how much space there is between you and the next party, um, those tables will be will be more desirable. And offering them up front might get their might get nervous customers um, into their stores and restaurants sooner. I think the the thing that retailers need to know is that consumers are nervous, and when they're nervous their behavior is not rational. So even after there are only two cases in the state, uh, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are overdosing on the news and are just nervous. They're nervous because maybe they're in an age group where uh, it's less fun to get this. Uh, maybe they're just uh, 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 germophiles already and this is the perfect storm. Uh, so that I think they have to, and, and when you're dealing with a nervous consumer, you don't underestimate how much reassurance can help. The nervous customer, do we incentivize them in certain ways to get them back in stores, back, you know, using curbside? Um, what are your thoughts on incentives during this time? Yeah, I think that's that, you know, you're, you're, you're for easy things to order, like a pair of socks you may not you may not get them in the store or for a paper towel uh that you know there used to be that companies offer these big price savings on on staples detergents and paper towels to get people they're called lost leaders to get them to come into the store and if you buy a bottle of detergent maybe you'll buy something more expensive i think those days are it's going to flip i think people are going to be more comfortable getting paper towels and staples online uh, and what you do need to do is get them in for that flat screen TV or a higher end item. And so I do think using price uh, is, you know, promoting those to say, come in and it's on special or even adding to that, you know, make a reservation. <laughs> uh, we'll meet you at the door uh, and we'll take you right to that area or we'll bring it out to you. Or if you have a reservation to know that uh, at, at, at the store between nine and 11, we have a senior's time only where we'll have fewer people in. Um, then you'll get people who are perhaps more vulnerable and more nervous. Say, look, it's senior hour. Uh, they're only going to allow, you know, 10 people per square foot. <laughs> uh, you make a reservation. 
because uh, if once you make a reservation, then you're feeling that it's going to be a special treatment, uh, and uh, what you don't want to do is have a black uh, Black Friday Thanksgiving mob scene in front of the store. Um, now I even saw it at the, I went to the garden center a week ago, the first sunny day, and it was a big outdoor space, but there were so many people there you couldn't get down the aisle. And while in this geography, many people wore masks, not everyone did. And even though the store was having a discussion up front saying, you can't come in, and they're saying, I want to come in. And so there's this tension between, all right, you're coming in. Uh, if you're not wearing a mask, you're only allowed in aisle two, and that's it. <laughs> uh, or if you want to come into my store, here's a mask. We're going to give you a mask. Uh, and, and then you can toss it in the bin when you like when you you go to a 3d movie you pick up the 3d glasses i think lots of retailers need to start offering gloves and protective uh gear uh at the store um for nervous customers or as part of their policy to keep their most to, to, to keep their most nervous customers um less nervous yeah i think that's a really good point i think also this idea of having a really special almost like a special experience um, rather than like a normal one. That's a great point. Right. I think people would be interested in, in that. Yeah, and if you want to minimize your time, even when I go to Target, uh, you know, there are so many aisles and so many things. But if you said, look, for, for your best customers, you make an appointment, a Target associate will you know, walk six feet away, but zip you through the store. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll even have a few items picked out in your cart already that you know you need, but you don't want to waste time in the paper towel aisle. So the Target associate will half fill up your cart. And then you can come in by the sweatshirt and the swimsuit and other things you need to touch and see and feel. Um, but, you know, you'll get that concierge service. And I think it will make that mass merchandiser experience better. And of course, if you're a small store, that should be your strong point saying, call us, text us, email us, uh, go online, you know, we'll get the five things you want, we'll put them on a table or in the corner of the store. So you can zip in and zip out. I think the notion of zipping in and zipping out, um, besides being right for nervous customers, will make a whole bunch of shoppers. Yeah, great. Fill up my card halfway with the stuff, you know, I need. And let me just do the top spin and pick up the stuff I need um, to look at. So I'll be in and out of the store faster. And even if you've got an ice store, it's, it's a good offer. If I'm a B2C marketer and I'm trying to accelerate sales, maybe after a bad quarter, um, what's your advice in this environment? Um, I think pushing experience over price, because if you're nervous, just, you know, 20% off is not going to get you in the, in the restaurant or store. So I do think that this is a time to innovate on experience and you know and and uh, and frictionless return or if they you know because sometimes people are in the store because they can't make a decision they're trying two things on they're agonizing and you know part of it is if you say look you know just buy both <laughs> and we'll pick up the one you don't like tomorrow uh yeah i think those types of making it easier will go a long way now and people are going to get used to that and i think that's going to be the shopping of the future is the notion of just driving to a store and wandering through the aisle and filling up your cart. Uh, I think even for non-nervous non customers, you know, they're going to want to use you know, use the new technology and both digital and everyone, you know, can shop on both the phone and uh, 
and in person. And I think the, the notion as brick and mortar on one side and digital on the other, I think forever they're now, they were already moving to overlap. But I think from now forward, uh, companies need to look at it as, as a singular experience. Maybe like a bonobos, you're thinking. I think bonobos is the way of the future, exactly. Oh, you go in, you pick a few things, and the next morning they're at your desk. So even if you, you know, even the, the innovation that Amazon is making, you know, what are the friction points that most retailers? is checkout. No, I'm sure people don't like waiting in checkout lines even before the pandemic, because it's just, you're just sitting there waiting. But you know, Amazon's innovation was they were using technology. You just pick everything you need up at the Amazon bookstore, the Amazon food store. And, you know, electronically, you put it in your bag and you walk out because it knows what you've taken. Uh, and I think, you know, looking at retail, whether it's electronic uh, payment on Apple or Google Pay, uh, other ways to, to make the process faster uh, will be relevant, of course, for the uh, nervous consumer and for consumers that are more cautious, I don't want to use all these nervous, just cautious consumers. And, and, and but then once once you get used to that, once you get used to moving fast, you never want to go back. I'm interested in what you think the time after this looks like, like, you know, we're maybe a year or two out, people have forgotten what you know, maybe a pandemic, the scariness of what that felt like. Um, do you think there's going to be a push on experiential marketing in the way where there was like a concert in the store or um, the shoe signing? What are your thoughts? Going yeah, I think out? we already saw that before the storm here. Big malls were having trouble, you know, filling stores and. You know, I, 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 that was the case before. And as I said earlier, this will accelerate it. So I think even when the mall opens and people are vaccinated and feel fine, and I, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, they're going to want to go there unless there is either a better food experience, <laughs> uh, uh, a concert, uh, a uh, something that um, that that makes the experience different than putting items in a bag and walking out to the parking lot and putting them in your car. Uh, I think earlier on, Apple had this idea about three years ago to, to turn the Apple store into a town square. So they uh, started to give uh, kids lessons on, on creativity on the iPad. They started to do business things. They, they tried to go from just having a genius bar where you broke, it broke brought your uh, laptop that wouldn't start up or your phone that didn't work into creating a reason to come to the Apple store to learn something, to make it, as they said, more of a town square. And I think that basically create an experience that's worth coming to uh, while you're shopping, um, whether it's related to the product you're shopping for or slightly different, is, is going to be a must-have for big retailers and all retailers going forward. So if you go to a nice restaurant, you're going to want to maybe have a cooking demonstration and have the chef come out and teach you how to, you know, make a certain dish as opposed to just sitting there and uh, talking for, for those that want it. So I think even restaurants can become far more experiential, allow you to take home a few ingredients and prepare that pasta uh, at home the next time. Um, so I, 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 I definitely think um, it, while there's going to be 
return to mostly normal. Even look at what happened after 9-11 uh, in air travel. You know, now no one really thinks much of waiting in line to get into a sports arena and they'd be screened or a Broadway show. Um, but a whole bunch of services have sprung up uh, around that to make that experience better that people sort of like, you know, whether it's this pro product called Clear, where if you sign up and they scan your fingerprints and your retina, you can zip through an airport, but you can also get into a sports arena now and you can rent a car faster. Um, so I think stuff like that will, will, will be the innovation and the shifting ahead that happens um, well after people are just reading about this uh, in their history books. I think you're really getting at this idea of like added value of what other value can we add, to not just our product. And I think that's an interesting idea where you see a lot of places like Panera who they're, you know, selling groceries in addition to their food. So I love the idea of going into a restaurant, having someone prepare the food for you, and then saying maybe after, like, oh, did you like this meal? Because maybe you can buy the ingredients. Yeah, here's a bag of ingredients. Now. Take it home and try it yourself. Or here's some frozen pasta you pop in your freezer. And normally the restaurant would say, well, I wouldn't want to do that because they're not going to come back. But you'll build an incredible loyalty and they'll make the pasta at home and they'll be back to do both the meal and also want the bag of goodies afterwards. So I think lots of that, as well as knowing that uh, you can have, you know, if you can like a movie theater now, uh, the better ones that are that you can actually book a certain seat when you book your tickets online. You know, why can't restaurants, you know, if I'm going to spend a lot of money at the restaurant, I don't want to sit in the kitchen, forgetting the, the pandemic near the kitchen. I want I want a table with a nice window view. And I think, you know, that sort of customization is going to go from a, you know, that's uh, sort of unusual to that's a must have uh, if you want to make sure you have the best experience when you get there. Yeah, that's a lot of innovation that could be happening from this time. Um, so I know that you kind of have some expertise around how can companies recognize um, when it's time to change direction. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, that's, that's one of the main findings of the book. First of all, you know, people, most people in a business live in what in the old show Frasier's Marty Crane's chair. They're very comfortable with the way things are. When they go in, they sort of approach the day as if they did yesterday. They have a routine. And while they always say they're changing, they, they're in a routine. The other thing we found is they're in bubbles. You know, when they're out, they're hanging with the same sort of people. And to see change, you got to zoom out. You got to, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You, you can't look around the corner and people, you can't look at your two competitors across the street, the restaurant down the block and the restaurant across the street and say, well, those are the, you, you have to zoom out and look at what's happening in restaurants and different parts of the country, different parts of the world, because innovation change happens at the fringe. Change doesn't happen right in front of you. And too many businesses um, do something that we talked about in the book, which is too many businesses play tennis and not enough golf. When you're playing tennis, I play both badly. You're just looking at your opponent and saying, where is that opponent? I'm going to hit the ball on the other side. And you're totally focused. And lots of businesses, if you're Pepsi, you're focused on Coke. If you're uh, P&G, you're focused on Colgate. Uh, if you're Pizza Hut, you're focused on Domino's. You're just in a tunnel. And lots of time, innovation doesn't 
you know, Coke is not getting out marketed by Pepsi. Domino's not getting out marketed usually by Pizza Hut. Some somebody else out of your zone is doing so. So you got to zoom out and look around, and start um, talking to people, getting out of your neighborhood, looking at businesses slightly different than yours, and say, "Gee, they're doing that in the dry cleaning business. I wonder if I should think about that in the, you know, in the donut business." And so, I I think the first step is to realize that change doesn't happen right in front of your nose. It comes from the side. And start looking around, um, and looking at that change, and and then don't procrastinate. Lots of companies say, "Oh, we've been studying that forever." <laughs> it, it, success today is about seeing something and seizing it. And the, lots of companies look at change that we uh, we're, we're working on that. But the company that goes out and tries it a few times and maybe doesn't get it exactly right and optimizes it tends to do better than a person that works for the perfect uh, waits for the perfect time to make a change. Is there someone that you think has done this really well over the years? There, there are a number of, uh, you know, companies that I think Starbucks has changed pretty effectively over time and offered different foods. And uh, so you don't, the best companies are changing every day. The best companies are, you know, uh, are not waiting for their annual plan to say, what are we going to do next year? The best companies are, make small changes every day, whether it's writing your name on the cup to make it more personal or offering a different type of coffee. or um, So I, I, I think the trick is not to say, the, the, the biggest risk is you have somebody saying, well, we're going to worry about tomorrow on Thursday at two o'clock. <laughs> and you have a meeting, you talk about it. And then of course, Thursday at two o'clock never happens. So you need to have a sort of, how are you going to change your business every day? What are we going to do today that we didn't do yesterday? And think small and incremental, not, or we're going to reimagine everything. Yes, you sometimes need to reimagine everything when a, a pandemic hits, but the, you know, the best companies reinvent themselves in little ways every day. Uh, and sometimes they don't even do it in a way their competitors know. And by the time they get it optimized, it's too late to catch up with them. And how can that be used to help a brand? Um, ultimately, brand is pretty simple. You know, it, I, I want something. What do you have that's different that I care about? Um, and too many companies either miss the different because there's a sea of sameness. You look at almost every category, and if you put your thumb over the company name, it's hard to tell the difference, how restaurants work. You know, every, every category is driven by this sea of sameness. And then somebody says, well, gee, you ever wonder why you have to do this when you do that? <laughs> and then, oh my God, that's, that's different. So I, I think um, focusing on those two simple things, how do I make it different in a way that I care about? Sometimes people focus on being different, but no one really cares. But doing both together is hard. And it just requires, you know, a little bit of this old quote from the former CEO of Intel, which is only the paranoid survive. If you look at most entrepreneurs and founders of businesses, they're nervous every day that their customers won't like their food, that the, you know, you go into a, a family owned restaurant and that person who runs that restaurant is really in touch every hour. They know when a customer is unhappy. And when you get big, your office goes to the back of the restaurant. You never come out and see your customers <laughs> and you, you worry about food procurement. And I think staying, you know, staying on the front line and just observing uh, and just looking for 
ways you can be better every day is the most important advice and it's easier said than done. So kind of this idea when people zig, maybe you zag. Exactly. Um, um, if everyone does a thing, if you look at a category and everyone runs your business the same way, a restaurant or a store, and they put a sign in the window and they, yeah, that's the time, you know, that's the category that's ripe for reinvention. You don't need, obviously, a global pandemic to do it. In fact, the best companies were already well on the way before this crisis hit. The ill companies, be it uh, the big you know, Sears and Radio Shack and JCPenney, they were in trouble well before, even, even to some extent Hertz, which just went uh, bankrupt. They had trouble. Their cars were not the newest cars. Their, you know, they, they had issues well before. Um, and so when the tide goes out, <laughs> uh, it exposes all the problems underneath the surface. Do you have any more thoughts on maybe re-engaging customers as things open up or accelerating sales during this time? Yeah, I just, I think even what a sale is, you know, yes, I, sales will always be a price is a, is a big motivator, especially with the huge unemployment. So money is, is more important uh, than ever and it will continue to be, but just uh, saying we have low prices, it's, it's often a battle that you can't win because you need the massive scale of a Walmart and Amazon to compete on price. Um, uh, but, but realize that the, the right value is important. And I also think a subtle thing will happen is that lots of consumers got used to spending more time with their families. And now, of course, they can't wait to break out. But I think recognizing how can you help them spend more time with their family by accelerating and making it easier and, and or fun to shop uh, with your family or without them, um, you know, it, it, it gets back to the experience. I, I, I think while price is going to always be important, most retailers only say, you know, only think of it. When business is bad, they put things on sale. The trick is how do you how do you make a sale more than just the price uh, and weave it into an experience? Um, do you have anything else that you think that we should touch on? Yeah, the final thing is uh, it's just which I said earlier, which is there's no roadmap for what's ahead, and you need to be much more flexible now. Uh, and the biggest learning from shift ahead, other than the fact that people are just more comfortable doing what they did yesterday than trying something new, is is the the need to 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 get away from analysis paralysis. Anything you try different is going to be risky, and if you're not comfortable trying something new, you're you're just better off trying it and learning, and finding it didn't work and going back than you are to sit in a room and say, "Gee, I've been thinking about this, and I'm not sure." and the biggest companies that have made the biggest misses have spent too much time as deer in headlights. <laughs> and um, now is not the time to procrastinate. Don't do rash things, but now is the time to try something new uh, because you'll learn from it. And if you just go back and say, well, I'm going to wait for the storm to go over and everything's going to go back to, it'll be fine. The rainbow is going to come out and everything's going to be like Oscan. Yeah, unfortunately, because this is not just a pandemic this is a pandemic and a massive recession combined you know you've got a number of you, you got two disruptions and even if the pandemic disruption goes quiet 
it's not going to be actually resolved as fast as the economic uh, disruption, particularly in certain categories, uh, in certain geographies. So now is not the time to maybe sit and wait it out, you think? Right. Yeah, exactly. Now you're just, just sitting back and being in the bunker and saying, I'm just going to, you know, now's the time to try something new uh, and to say that maybe the world doesn't just snap back to yesterday. Maybe it snaps back more likely to something completely different. Uh, and I want to be ready for it. If you would like to hear more about how to use email and SMS marketing to re-engage customers and accelerate sales, head to the description of this episode for a link to our webinar with Vibes. If you're listening after Thursday, May 28th, you'll be able to find a replay of the webinar at quickly.com. That's quickly without the C. If you liked this episode, share it on social media, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Spotify. Thanks for listening to Market With Me Quickly. I'm Andrea. We hope you're staying safe and that this has helped in some way.